Well, good morning again. Good to see you all here. Uh, those uh, listening online, uh, video streaming, I'd like to give a shout out to Angelica and Will, and I've got to read their little one's name, Alicia. I hopefully I got it right. A shout out to that young family, and uh, also Anne, who celebrated her birthday yesterday. I'm guessing that Rosie is sitting right next to Anne, so uh, those you joining us uh, video streaming, it's fantastic to have you here. Uh, this week, uh, we continue on in our message series, All In, with the idea of jump, and we're going to wrestle with something that really all of us, to some degree, are experiencing, and that is the, because of the world we find ourselves in, uh, we're, just, we're having a little bit of trouble trying to figure out where the ground level is, uh, how to set things in motion, uh, what really is the foundation, and what is accurate and what isn't, and, and all of these kinds of things. And so we're going to be talking about that a little bit. We're going to look at the Older Testament instead of the New Testament today. Uh, but uh, let me uh, just uh, see if this primes the pump a little bit with what we're going to be talking about. Hello. How much are they asking? Well, that's a lot of money for a deck. Well, I hate to tell you this, but you're getting robbed. Uh, did you hear me? You're getting robbed. Look at the cute dog. Yikes. Don't judge too quickly. Many of us, well, maybe just me, but many of us are prone to jump into something just a, a little too quickly. And the conclusions or the results of that are disastrous. Okay, it, it can cause anger where there shouldn't be any. It can cause frustration where there shouldn't be any. It can cause hurt where there shouldn't be any. It can cause so many problems where there shouldn't be any. It can even fracture relationships where there shouldn't be a fracture in that relationship. It's just that it happens. And jumping into conclusions and jumping where not knowing where we're going to look. And when we do that, we find that it, it, it just breaks up whatever we're all in with, whether it's at work whether it's in our family, whether it's with our spouse, whether it's with our church, whether it's with our government, whatever it may be, when we jump in and jump to conclusions and we judge too quickly, it can get us into all kinds of trouble. I, you're familiar with some of these because I love these little clips, but this is, this is my favorite of someone jumping to conclusions. Hey, kid. You got to get down. Come on. Ah. Ah. 
That poor guy, he hates that cat, you know it. And now, look what just happened. So, again, jumping to conclusions. Now, I'm not saying this. I'm not saying this. If you have discernment, you have understanding, you have that gut feeling that uh, has served you pretty well, I'm, I'm not telling you to ignore that. But at least for a lot of us, it seems we jump just a little too quickly. And when we jump, it's disastrous. It affects, in a sense, us all being in. And you can think of big situations, and you can think of little situations. You know, some of you are familiar with this, that I have three daughters. They're grown up now, and uh, so uh, one is still finishing up graduate school, so she's living with us. So there was a time where it was me and four girls, four women in our house. And that just gave lots of opportunities for jumping to conclusions and uh, misunderstandings. I, I, I'm a little bit of a guy that's like, I want everything in order, everything in its place. And, and, and I wish I wasn't that way, but I am. And so when it comes to everything in life, I learn So it even comes to my toothpaste. I have a special toothpaste that I like. I mean, it's not anything special. It's just like Colgate-sensitive teeth, you know, and uh, you didn't know I was such a sensitive guy. At least my gums are. And so I like this kind, and every time I used to go to the, you know, Walmart grocery store and try to figure out where it was, it, they always seemed to change the packaging. So now I get it on Amazon, and when one, I'm in that, I get three at a time. One time I ordered like nine, but that was an accident. But uh, I get three at a time. And when I'm using the last tube, I order the next one, and I never run out. So anyway, that's a little more information you probably need to know. But So I got my, my load of toothpaste, and it was in the place that it was supposed to be in, and uh, I got in there to brush my teeth, and so all of a sudden I discovered it wasn't there. So this is how the text goes. I said uh, to Cindy, so someone stole my toothpaste. And very nicely, she responds with, oh, great, sorry about the toothpaste. And I'm like, this is not getting me too far. And then so I said, was it you? And uh, I don't think she really liked that because the next one was just plain no. It was no smiley face, no little, you know, fitcher with the, you know, the hearts going my direction or whatever. And, uh, and it was kind of interesting that later on that night I did find my toothpaste. And uh, this was the one out of a thousand times that I put the toothpaste in the wrong place. So it was me. And that, that can happen. So you get this idea of jumping to conclusions, filling in the blanks can cause major problems on so many levels. Uh, one more for you. Uh, you know, uh, the girls, they, uh, Sarah and Hannah were working on getting their driver's license. In New Hampshire, you had to do 40 hours of observed driving time, so we had survived that. And again, we wanted to teach them if it's 40 hours, it's 40 hours. Sometimes we just get in the car, we take both cars and drive an hour north and turn around and drive an hour south just to get their driving in, two at the same time. And then you had the hours you had to do at nighttime. So we did all that. They get their driver's license. And the, the rule we had, and I'm sorry if you're in the process of getting your driver's license, this was just a, a weird Spencer rule, so this doesn't have to be translated into your family, is we had the rule for the first six months, they would not listen to music in the car. 
Oh, that's so terrible. Yeah, you could see people groaning because we didn't want them like, nah, 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 you know, and, you know. So we said, so for six months, no music. And so one morning, Cindy got in the car, was heading off to work, and she turned on the radio, and it was on a different station. Uh oh. So Sarah was up, the other two weren't. Cindy called me, and I decided I was going to deal with this right now. And uh, just to give you a little background on Sarah, Sarah is our truth, black and white, it's right or wrong person, tells the truth all the time. So, not to say the other girls don't, but it's, it's an injustice, it's an injustice to, to um, hi Sarah, hi Hannah and Sarah, or Mariah, <laughs> but uh, it's an injustice to her if you question her integrity. So, hey Sarah. Uh, the radio was on a different station, so obviously that means you had the radio on. And, and she started to turn red and a little tremble in her lip. And I said, wow, boy, this is that one time where they did what they weren't supposed to do. It's going to be unbelievable. And all of a sudden I find out, no, it's because the injustice is like so huge to her that she just, how can you question that I wouldn't do what I said I would do? And come to find out, they had been driving around, and their aunt had been with them, and they had parked and waited for somebody, and the aunt turned on the radio, and they turned it off immediately when they started driving again. So again, jumping to conclusions can cause all kinds of problems. It can cause problems uh, in church settings, it can cause problems in business settings, home life, family, and if we don't know where to look, we can create problems that really should never have existed. And continue, as we continue to walk through even all of this COVID thing, we're trying to uh, communicate clearly to you. And I want to let you know there'd be a letter coming out this week towards the end of the week where we kind of try to regroup and try to figure out what we're supposed to be doing. And sometimes people say, well, you're doing this because of this, and they don't know everything. Uh, there are situations uh, that, uh, you know, happen, at a, happen with, with the county and things like that that you're just not aware of. So we're going to try to set that record a little bit more straight so we communicate well with you and just, again, so that we're not jumping to conclusions in all these areas because when we do that, it just creates problems that are, don't need to exist and don't need to be there. Now, as we go from the Newer Testament, we've been looking at Peter's life, and we're going to see, uh, take a look at King Saul. We're going to see that King Saul jumps to conclusions. Uh, he doesn't know really where to look, and it creates a disaster for him. So we're going to start off in 1 Samuel uh, 18, verse 5. We're just going to read through this story and kind of set the tone for what is going on here. So... Whatever mission Saul sent him on, that's David, David was so successful that Saul gave him a high rank in the army. This pleased all the troops and Saul's officers as well. When the men were returning home after David had killed the Philistine, the woman came out from all the towns of Israel to meet King Saul with singing and dancing, with joyful songs, and with the tambourines and with lyres. As they danced, they sang, Saul has slain thousands. David has slain his tens of thousands. Saul was very angry at this refrain. It displeased him greatly. They have credited David with tens of thousands, he thought, but with me only thousands. 
What more can he get but the kingdom? And from that time on, Saul kept his eye on David. The next day, an evil spirit from God came forcefully on Saul. That's a subject for another time. He was prophesying in his house while David was playing the lyre, as he usually did. Saul had a spear in his hand, and he hurled it, saying to himself, I'll pin David to the wall. That means run him through. That's not just like pin him to the wall. Let's get him. But David eluded him twice. Saul was afraid of David because the Lord was with David and had departed from Saul. So he sent David away from him and gave him a command over a thousand men, and David led the troops in their campaigns. In everything he did, he had great success because the Lord was with him. When Saul saw how successful he was, he was afraid of him. But all Israel and Judah loved David because he led them in their campaigns. It's a very sad story. David succeeds, David does well, and Saul looks before he leaps and fills in the blank with something that is not accurate, and it sets things in motion that Saul will spend a majority of the rest of his rule trying to get David, thinking that David was out to get him. We don't have time to get in this, but there's another two stories where David later on had the, time, had the opportunity to actually kill Saul. All his men with him said, look, God has placed Saul in your hands. Take him out, and David won't do it. Saul totally, totally misread the integrity of David's heart. I would actually like to propose to you, David had Saul's back probably more than any other person in the kingdom. David was fighting for the kingdom, fighting for God, and Saul was the anointed one. He never had to worry about David. But he leaped, he looked before, he did not look before he leaped, and he, he gets himself into all kinds of problems. Again, this creates an anger. This creates an emotion. And Saul gets so emotional about it that, that it that it shapes and defines and directs his life, the kingdom's life, all because he filled in the blank. Now, there's nothing wrong with having an emotion. There's nothing wrong. Those could have been natural feelings. But because Saul did not, in a sense, uh, evaluate them, he did not uh, look at them, define them, and, and ask questions, it caused him to go off in a completely different direction. When you and I are in this place, when we need to look before we leap, we need to ask ourselves, are we reading our emotions? Now, now I think... Saul's understanding of what could happen was legitimate. Normally, someone who gains the heart of the people ends up trying to take it from the king. That, that's a normal thing. That, that's okay. But he let those emotions, he didn't, he didn't talk about those emotions. You can look other places, Saul was insecure. 
So because Saul was insecure, anyone that increased his feelings of insecurity was a target, and David became his target. When you and I can't evaluate our emotions, when we go, when, when we try to fill in the blank, and it's also an emotional response, we're like this. We're like what Solomon talks about, like a city whose walls are broken through is a person who lacks self-control. We're not controlling our emotions. We're not evaluating our emotions. This is not about stuffing our emotions. It's not about pretending our emotions don't exist. It's about lifting them up, looking at them, looking at them from all the angles and saying, what does this emotion mean? And when we don't do that, we lack self-control, and it's like a city with holes in the wall. Now, we can kind of relate to that, kind of not relate to that, because we're not protected in a sense around cities with walls and things like that. We have defense systems and all these other kinds of things when it comes to an invading army and that kind of thing. So as I thought about this and think about this, I remember the time where, where our family actually lived in not a big city, but it was downtown city, and our uh, windows were so close to the sidewalk that if we had the windows open and someone was walking down the sidewalk, you actually thought they were in your house. You know, sometimes you want to wish, oh, yeah, you know, add to their conversation, but that wouldn't probably have been a good idea, but that, that was so close. So, so my girls were very aware of that, so when it was extremely hot, I wanted to leave the windows open just a little bit on the first floor. They weren't having it. They did not want those windows. I, I wanted to lift them up a little high and stick a stick in there, you know, so if someone was trying to get it up, they couldn't. They, they weren't buying it. They wanted those windows locked. That, was a, that, was, that made them feel vulnerable. When you and I don't have self-control, we are vulnerable. When our emotions are not under control in the sense of evaluating them, we are vulnerable. And we need to really, really understand that and, and take, a, take a look at that and not let ourselves be vulnerable because our emotions are out of control. James talks about when our emotions are out of control, uh, what we say can be very toxic. Humanity is capable of taming every bird and beast in existence, even reptiles and sea creatures, great and small. But no man, no person has ever demonstrated the ability to tame his own tongue. It's a spring of restless evil brimming with toxic poison. The idea of controlling our words, controlling what we think that produces those words. Now, a lot of times when we get into this jumping to conclusions and not thinking it through. And again, I'm telling you, if, if you have uh, really an understanding and a wisdom and just a gut feeling about it, it doesn't mean you just ignore that. But you have to understand that. You have to understand sometimes you can be wrong, so you want to be careful before you make a conclusion, before you pull everything together. And also when it comes to making these conclusions, whether they're true or not, well, especially if they're true, we have to realize that, that they still are not necessarily to be out there for public com, um, consumption. I love the way uh, Joe Stoll defines gossip. 
He says, gossip is sharing damaging information about someone or something with another person who is not part of the solution. Gossip reflects an unloving spirit. Sometimes you do know truth. You have made some conclusions, and they are accurate. But those conclusions are not always should be always available for someone else's ears. This, this happens to, to, to me quite often. You know, people tell me their stories. And, uh, you know, and I, I hear a true story. And uh, I get together with a, with a leadership team, and sometimes, uh, you know, we're praying for people and those kinds of things. And there's some stories that, that I just don't share with them. Not because I'm not trying to be genuine with them. I just, they just don't need that story bouncing around in their head. They're not a part of the solution. I sometimes don't want those stories bouncing around in my head. Someone comes to me, oh, I want to tell you this. But I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Just keep, the, keep it on the surface. I don't need to know all the details. Well, don't you want to know? I'm like, no, I, I don't want to know. I want to protect them from the times or protect myself from when you see that person or involved with that person, that's the first thing that comes to mind. So it doesn't mean you shouldn't share things, it shouldn't, but, it, but it means when it comes to you having information, you need to ask yourself, are you a part of the solution or not? And when you're a part of the solution, that's one thing, but when you're not, then it, it should be kept to yourself. And so we've got to be careful about this. This isn't just things that aren't true that you kind of put together and, oh, that seems like the way to put things together. Um, you know, it sometimes is true. Uh, so along with that, there's this idea that we, we don't have to fill in all the blanks. It's okay for there to be blanks. We, we, we want to fill in the blanks. So we look at a situation, we go, oh, where there's smoke, there's fire. There's filling in the blanks. A lot of times that's true. A lot of times that is not true. And we've got to come to terms with there are going to be some things, there are going to be some blanks, we just don't, we just don't know the answer. And rather than trying to put something in there so we feel settled that there's an answer, we've got to say, on this one, just don't know the answer, I'm just going to let it go, and I'm not going to try to put some blanks in there, and I'm not going to try to, try to fill somebody else's heart with, with what's going on. Uh, There's a story, we're not going to have time to, to go there, uh, where, where another king, a king dies, the son takes over, uh, David sends some, we missed your father, you know, uh, sends a sympathy card in the form of people, and his, his uh, advisors say, David is not here to show sympathy. He's here to scout out the kingdom, and then he's going to invade and take it over. So these advisors win the heart of this king. He goes ahead and goes, yeah, that's probably true, filling in the blanks, and sends the dignitaries back in an insulting way. And uh, then eventually, David does go and take over the kingdom. Uh, but that wasn't the intent. They filled in the blanks. And it was almost like self-fulfilling prophecy. Sometimes you and I can fill in the blanks with something that's not true, and all of a sudden it moves the situation to now it's kind of happening. Got to be very, very, very careful because it is okay to have blanks. It's okay to have blanks. Need to uh, be be aware of that. Um, one. T- uh, you know, so, so we just need to understand that, uh, that, that it's okay to have blanks. But when you're in a situation 
and you think you have the blank filled in and you can be a part of the solution and you do have a question, then you actually need to ask. You need to figure out if this blank you're filling in is actually accurate. I had wrapped up a, a meeting with 50 leaders and it was a vision casting meeting and we had kind of projected the vision, where we were going and all these kinds of things and it was a great evening and, and, uh, and a really put together uh, professional woman who uh, uh, oversaw the psychiatric ward in Boston of some something, something, something. She comes up and she has a question for me. And, uh, you know, it's just very articulate, all these kinds of things, strong woman, you know, all these things. And so she's starting to ask this question, and as she's asking this question, I pull out my phone. And I start, you know, and she's like, Dave, are you with me? Yeah, I'm with you. Dave, are you with me? Yeah. Dave, she pulls my arm, are you with me? What she thought was that I was kind of like ignoring her and was doing my phone thing. And I said to her, I said, I appreciate you asking me, but what I'm doing right now is I'm writing your question down, and within the next three minutes, everybody on the church staff is going to get this question, and on Tuesday, we'll talk about it at staff meeting. Oh, okay, and on we went. I hate to say this, most people wouldn't have said that to me. They would have walked away and said, Dave didn't listen to me. He didn't care about my question. He didn't da, 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 da. And you've been in those situations too. I've been in those situations. But I thought it was so admirable that she was getting this vibe. She didn't fill in the blank with the worst possible answer. And she, in this case, she, she actually asked me. And that, that averted a whole feeling. If she had left it at that, you know, three years later, four years, oh, Dave, you know, doesn't really listen, and, you know, da 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 da, da and, uh, you know, you know it, it's, we, we, we have to be aware of this kind of thing. Again, some, Saul is, just, is just, just not doing it well. I love Proverbs 18, 17. It says, the person who tells one side of a story seems right until someone else comes and asks questions. Wow, how many times have you been caught in that? I get lots of stories. And earlier on, you know, I've been doing this now for like 30 plus years. That's so old. But, uh, you know, when I first would get the first side of the story and I'd hear it, I'd be like, I can't believe they're doing it. I can't believe that's happening. And I'd be like all wound up. And somewhere along the line, I realized usually there's another side to the story. There's another side to the story. And um, Solomon saying, check out the other side of the story. Ask the questions. But in all of this, we want to make sure that we don't waste emotional energy and time on something that's not accurate, where we have filled in the blanks the best way we know how, and it just doesn't work. Paul talks to Timothy Young pastor, he says, besides, they get in the habit of being idle and going about from house to house. And not only do they become idlers, but also busybodies who, take, who talk nonsense, saying things they ought not to say. How many times have you got sucked into something or sucked somebody else into something that ends up being a waste of emotional energy and time because blanks were being filled in that shouldn't have been filled in? 
and it creates all these problems that just didn't need to be there. So what's the answer? What do we do? We need to think, think, think. We need to think it through. We need to slow down, respond, not react. And you need to know yourself well enough to know how much response time do you need. Some of us react. We need to sleep on it, not to avoid it, but just to respond. Some of us are a little bit better than that. Again, we're all wired differently. Again, David has that situation, uh, you know, where he could have taken out Saul, and he says, uh, you know, he, David says to his men, the Lord forbid that I should do such a thing to my master, the Lord's anointed, or lift my hand against him, for he is the anointed of the Lord. And Saul had already tried to kill him a number of times. And uh, so if Saul had just thought it out, especially after these other incidences where Saul could have taken him out. He would have realized that David was not after the kingdom and removing him from leadership. He, that, just, that just wasn't, isn't who he is. Now, this is kind of a warning. This is something I take to heart. It disturbs me a little bit. It gives me a lot of caution when I listen to the words of Jesus. This is what Jesus says. Let me tell you something. Every one of these careless words is going to come back to haunt you. There will be a time of reckoning. Words are powerful. Take them seriously. Yikes! My careless words, my unthinking words, that little zinger, and I think this goes beyond words, Someone's telling me something, and I roll my eyes like what they're saying is not true. Or I, body language says what they're saying is true, but I don't agree with them. I'm communicating with them. I am going to be responsible for all my communication. I'm going to have regrets about that. I want to have less regrets about that. Uh, the verse uh, that talks in uh, Revelations about Jesus wiping every tear away, some of that I think definitely is the heartaches we've experienced in life, and Jesus is going to say, I'm sorry you had to go through that. You're with me now. This is heaven, new heavens, new earth. This is going to be great, and wipes those tears away. I think some of those tears, at least some of my tears, won't just because of that, will be because of the things, the regrets, the things we're involved with, and that could include some of my words. I want to watch out for that. Listening to gossip is like eating cheap candy. Do you want junk like that in your belly? Cindy has recently rediscovered, which is delightfully terrible, um, that, that popcorn that's got like kettle corn, you know? And, uh, you know, the, the other corn is kind of like healthy, right? You know, the kind that's like air popped in the bags, you know? I don't think the kettle corn is. And, uh, you know, you get into that, uh, and, you know, you can eat a bag before you know it. And uh, it is good going down, but all of a sudden there's like this catch mode where you're going like, ooh, I, my stomach does not feel good. And uh, that sometimes happens when we're letting, being fed by all this stuff, this gossip, this, this stuff. And again, bringing back the gossip definition to include truth. Now, it's not lies, but truth that you're not a part of the solution. Um, 
you know, sometimes, uh, you know, you don't want to be in these situations where you hear all this stuff and you feel like you got to take a shower afterwards. Sometimes that happens. You know, I'm like, ooh, I got to, like, how can I clean my insides out? I didn't need to know all that. But uh, not delighting in that because it makes you feel, ugh. So what are some things to do? Uh, one thing is to try the most positive answer first. I also find that that shuts down negativity. There are very few people in my life that I know that don't have one positive attribute. So when someone is just chomping at them, whether it's true, has windows, if I say one nice thing, first of all, it cleanses my mind because I'm not perfect. So I get some things, boy, people could be talking about me all the time. So, so I want to turn the direction of that conversation. I want to say something positive. Uh, years ago, we had a, a bookkeeper, and uh, they were just on it, on it, on it, on it, as bookkeepers should be, right? <laughs> they were on it, on it, on it, and someone came up to me. This was a, you know, at a Christian school and all this kind of stuff, so it was a big budget, a few million dollars and all this kind of stuff, and someone started complaining about how this person just was just difficult when it came to spending money, and I said, you know what? You know what? If, if she wasn't this way you and me wouldn't get paid. They're like, what are you talking about? Because if everybody was spending money all over the place, there'd be no money to pay our checks. So I'm happy she's like this. Oh, and that shut it down, and you know, because that was the truth. Put something positive in its place. Again, Saul, Saul should have done that when it came to uh, David. And that moves on to our next thought is about giving uh, you know, the benefit of the doubt. Fill in the blanks with something that is positive rather than always negative. See the positive that is going on. This is the idea of an attitude that promotes or in, in, uh, enhances the well-being of another uh, to give an advantage. So rather than, uh, you know, all of a sudden go, oh, I can't believe that about that person. That doesn't seem like them. I can't believe they did that. Maybe it's because they didn't do it. Maybe the reason it doesn't match their normal character that you know about them is because it isn't. Give them the benefit of the doubt. Give them the benefit of the doubt. Most of important all of all, love each other deeply because love makes you willing to forgive many sins. Discovered this. I've been reminded of this. When I love a person, I'm a little easier on that person. When I really don't like them, I like to rake them over the coals. And we, as Christ followers, are supposed to love people. So we should come with that bent, and then it changes things. When I don't like you, oh, yeah, but when I do like you, I put up with a lot. What's that expression? Love is blind. We don't want it to be totally blind, but you know what I'm saying. When we love people, I mean, in 1 Corinthians, the love chapter, uh, Paul talks all about this. If you love someone, you'll be loyal to them, no matter what the cost. You'll always believe in him, always expect the best of him, and always stand your ground in defending him. That's a completely different way. And again, I'm not talking about ignoring improper behavior, abuse, or any of those kinds of things. I'm talking about these other areas when we think about this. Well, I want to close on a story that's a very sad story. It's a story that uh, uh, Gordon McDonald uh, tells every once in a while. And it's a story about two brothers. And I'm just going to read it to you. Just got to get there. Here we go. 
This is the story. A, merch, a Midwest merchant had identical twin sons. The boys, lives, the boys' lives became inseparably intertwined. They dressed alike, went to the same schools, did all the same things. When their father died, they took over running the family business. One would think that their brotherhood and friendship was perfect. One morning, a customer came into the store and made a small purchase. The brother who waited on him put the dollar on the top of the cash register and walked to the front of the store. Sometime later, he remembered what he had done and returned to the cash register to find the dollar gone. He asked his brother if he had put the bill into the register, and the brother replied, what bill? That's funny, said the other. I distinctly remember placing the bill here on the register, and no one else has been in the store since then. Had the matter dropped, been dropped at that point, there would be no story. However, an hour later, this time with a notable hint of suspicion in his voice, the brother asked again, Are you sure you didn't see that dollar bill? The other brother was quick to catch the note of accusation and flared back in a defensive anger. This was the beginning of the first serious breach of trust that had ever come between the two. It grew wider and wider. Every time they just tried to discuss the issue, new charges and countercharges got mixed into the brew until finally things got so bad that they were forced to dissolve their partnership. They ran a partition down the middle of their father's store and turned what had once been into a harmonious partnership into an angry competition. In fact, that business became a source of division in the whole community every twin trying to enlist allies for himself against the other. The open warfare went on for over 20 years. Then one day, a car with an out-of-state license plate drove up in front of the store. A well-dressed man got out and went into, the side of, uh, into one of the sides and inquired how long the merchant had been in business in that location. When he found it was over 20 years, the stranger said, then you are the one with whom I must settle an old score. Some 20 years ago, he said, I was out of work, drifting from place to place, and I happened to get off a boxcar in your town. I had absolutely no money and had not eaten for three days. As I was walking down the alley behind your store, I looked in and saw a dollar bill on the top of your cash register. Everyone was in the front of the store. I was so hungry, I gave in to temptation, slipped through the back door, and took the dollar bill. That act has weighed on my conscience ever since, and I finally decided that I would never be at peace until I came back and faced up to that old sin and made amends. Would you now, would you now, would you now let me replace the money and pay you whatever is appropriate for the damages. At that point, the stranger was surprised to see the old man standing in front of him, shaking his head in dismay and beginning to weep. When he had gotten control of himself, he took the stranger by the arm and said, I want you to go next door and repeat the same story you've just told me. The stranger did it, and only this time, there were two old men who looked remarkably alike, both weeping uncontrollably.
uncontrollably. When we are blinded, we need to be reminded that a foregone conclusion is often a damaging illusion. Jumping to conclusions will destroy being all in on a team, in a family, in a relationship, in a community, in a church, and even a country. We need to learn from Saul and David. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you that you included this story about Saul and David. It uh, shouts to us, because often it may not be leading a nation, but often we can get into the same mud that Saul got in, in relationship to David. Father, protect our families, protect our relationships, protect our church, protect our community from jumping to conclusions that are illusions. May we not waste 20 years the way those two brothers did. Help us to keep short accounts with each other, short accounts with you, and be very aware of our words, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.